This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. A spot when everyone's sitting already. But that's really what I'm going to speak about today. I'm going to go a little bit different than I usually go. So there seems to be a, a very big paradox. Tishabov in itself is a very big paradox. It's called the Yantif. Kurei Moyed. It's called the Yantif. We don't say Tachanan. We didn't even say Tzitkaski yesterday by Mincha. Because it's a Mincha before Yantif. At the same time, it's a day that we sit on the floor. How can it be a Yantif if it's a day where we read Kinnis and as it was so well read today and all the different stories of destruction and death no such mayed, we don't have such a yantif where there's so much tragedy so there's a few questions that I'm going to ask and then Bezrat Hashem will answer them all with one answer last night after Kinnis which is very bashek because I was talking on the subject I met someone his name is Chaim Kohn he came over to me Chaim Khan and he said, I want to tell you a story. My friend, Kalman Dreben, many years ago, they were in a hospital together. His wife was having some type of surgery. Kalman Dreben was a Skelena Chassid. So he asked Kalman Dreben if he knew any stories straight from the Skelena Rebbe. Not that he heard, but that he heard Mamash from the Rebbe himself. So this is the story that Kalman Dreben told him. He said, the Skelena, the Skelena Rebbe was in prison in Romania. When they took him into prison, they took his tefillin, his talus, his sitzes, everything. And they mamash put him in this little teeny dungeon. And he said, what was I supposed to do there? 19 hours a day, they were not let out. For 19 hours, they sat in this dark dungeon. He said, what was I going to do? He said, so what I did is, I remembered all the tefillos that I knew by heart. And I decided... That in my head, I was going to do Parashat Tfilois. He said, and it was three months. I was there for three months. He said, right before I got out, at the end of three months, where was I up to? I was up to Baal Shama. He said, I was sitting there after three months in this dungeon without any Yiddishkeit whatsoever. And I'm reading Baal Shama, which we said this morning. Hashem should be blessed. Hashem should be blessed when he says and he does. Hashem should be blessed when he's going through something and he keeps it. Hashem should be blessed that he created the world. Should be blessed that he has pity on the on the earth. Should be blessed that he has pity on creation. He should be blessed. He pays those that fear him. Be blessed. He's paid and he saves. Said the Sklina Rabbi, he's sitting there. These are all beautiful blessings. What is Bayrach Geyser Mekayim doing amongst them? Bless you, Hashem, who makes Xayra Holocaust and he keeps it. Baruch Hashem, who makes the Spanish Inquisition, and he keeps it. Or Crusades, or Gezerah that the base of should be destroyed. What is this doing in Baruch Shema? And Sklenar Rebbe said, 
I sat there and said that I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving until you send me an answer. What is What is that doing with the rest of these brachas? And this is my speech, my speech today. And the Sklenel Rebbe said he thought and he thought and he thought and Hashem sent him a machshava and the machshava was as following. Baruch Geyser blesses the one who makes Xerah who Mekayim and I'm still alive. I'm in prison and they took everything away from me but there's still life where life is potential. Baruch Geyser blesses the one that was Geyser Holocaust. And a Spanish Inquisition and a Tishabog. And a destruction of all the base on Migdash. but we're still here. Blessed to you, Akash Baruchu, that you gave us the ability to still be here. So then I was ready to leave prison to Sklinarab. That answers a huge question. A few questions. Number one, how did Jimmy Yo and the Navi Yeshaya have the Vias? We know, everyone here knows, that when you're in pain, when you're in tsar, you can't have Ruch HaKodesh. Yaakov Avinu, when he thought he lost Yosef, he lost his Ruch HaKodesh. So how could Yeshaya and Yemiyahu, who lived the most tragic times, how is it possible that they were Nevi'im? How is it possible that they had Ruch HaKodesh? Question number two. The Sefer brought from Maisei Tzadikim talks about a person named Rav Aaron Yeshaya Fish who was very close to the vision of Rebbe. With Tisha B'Av Achat Tzarayim now, Tisha B'Av after Tzarayim, midday, we ate Tefilas Mincha. Kashi Hichnisu Sefer Torah Lauren HaKodesh when they were bringing back the Sefer Torah to Lauren HaKodesh after Kriya Satoyer, and they were saying, Yehallu Hashem Hashem. Panah HaRebbe Mivizhnetz, the Rebbe from Vizhnetz turned to Ravar and Yeshaya, V'lachash Lai V'oznoi, and he whispered in his ear, Es Hamilim Yehallu Hashem Hashem, B'oisin Nigin, Sh'oyrim Mesimchas Torah. On Tishma, when they were bringing back the Sefer Torah from Mincha, the Vizhnetz of Rebbe began to sing, Yehallu Hashem Hashem, in the same nigin that he sang it on Simchas Torah. So he asked the vision Sarebba, how could you be singing on Tisha B'av the song of Simchas Torah? And he answered him, Dabba Pashatu. Tisha's Yamim Shorech Chodesh Menachem Av Tisha B'av, the nine days. Him Kenege Tisha's Hayamim Shalchaga Sukhais. So the Rebbe Tishabov is the same as the nine days of Sukkot Shminyatzeris, and then, of course, in Chutzlar at Sukkot Torah. The Imkain Yom Tishabov who connected Yom Sukkot Torah. That's the case. The ninth day, which is Tishabov, is connected Sukkot Torah. Ulechein Hanigan Mishneim Shavah, and therefore the Nigan has to be the same. What is the vision the Rebbe talking about? How could Simchas Torah be the same as Tishabov? So it seems to be that Tishabov is more 
than just a day of pain. Specifically, this Tisha B'Av. Last night when I spoke, we know we're being very challenged, specifically with Shabbos. Many children from from families today, they're actually Shemr Shabbos to a degree. They won't do Beirah, they'll never take a bone out of a fish. And they won't turn a light on. And they won't make tea from a Kaili Rishon. But these same kids are on their phones in their rooms on Shabbos. I spoke about the three years at a Gura convention. And when I finished, people came over to me and said, you just make this into much a thing that's much bigger than it really is. Maybe you want to raise money for what you do. And I'm like, no. No, as we heard today here in our Yitzchak, Yeshayahu believed that Klai Yisrael did tshuva. On the outside, everything looked from, everything looked great. Yemiyahu said, I'm in the houses. You don't see what I see. I'm in the trenches. It's not as good as you think. There's internet, there's pornography, there's movies, there's filth. There's WhatsApp. There's technology inside those houses that you don't see. There are parents that don't even know that their children have iPhones underneath their pillows and that they use them on Shabbos. Today there are parents that check their bills to see that the phone should not have been used on Shabbos. It is a plague. I deal with it every day. Every rabbi that's involved with kids deals with it every day. How many kids are on their phone on Shabbos and no one knows? Chilil Shabbos. And I asked them. But you're a Beis Yaakov girl. You're a yeshiva boy. You're tzniyas. You don't miss minion. What's with the Shabbos? And they're like, Rabbi Wallerstein, it's an addiction. I can't help it. Sutton is very, very brilliant. We thought technology he brought into this world so we should watch things that our eyes should not watch. Absolutely. He didn't forget about that. That's pretty big. But that's not the master plan because there was always things that you could see that you weren't supposed to see, whether it was magazines or movies. It existed way before technology. Shmira Seinayim is not something new. He had a different plan. What is Shabbos? There's a story of a man who really, really loved his wife very, very much. And he wanted to buy her the most precious thing in the world. But he wanted to surprise her. All the guys are married, we know. We like to, we like to buy our wives jewelry or whatever we like to buy. And we like to surprise them. Of course, we're always buy the worst thing and they don't wear it. But that's what we want to do. That surprise when she's like not ready for it. It's like sitting on the Shabbos table on a Friday night or Erev Yontif. And a bow and a gift wrap and everything. That is a big part of the surprise. And he wanted to surprise his wife. 
So he went to a jeweler and he said, I want, I want the, the biggest, best, flawless diamond that you have. I want to give this to my wife. So he brings out this beautiful diamond and the, the jeweler says, but by the way, how do you know she likes diamonds? I don't know, really know she likes diamonds. Well, maybe, maybe she likes rubies. And he takes out the most beautiful ruby. He says, wow, that's unbelievable. But maybe she likes sapphires. I don't know, maybe she does. Maybe she likes pearls. He says, so what should I do? He says, I have a ring in my safe. There is no such ring in the world. It has the most perfect diamond. The cleanest, most beautiful ruby. The cleanest, most beautiful sapphire. And a perfect pearl. All in one ring. So no matter what she likes, it's there. And most women like them all. How much is such a ring? You have to take a mortgage. I don't care. It's my wife. I don't care. And he buys this ring. And he's so excited. And he spends all the money that he has. And he wraps it. And he comes home with this ring. And he says, I'm here. I have a surprise for you. Surprise? Okay. And he puts down this box. And she opens the wrapping. And she opens the box and he's standing there. And he's looking at her, excited to see her light up. And go crazy. And she opens the box and she takes out the ring. And she looks at it. And she says, this is what you bought for me. He's like, yeah. I hate it. She throws it on the floor. She starts to step on it. And his heart is ripping. All the years looking for this. All the money he spent, all the hope. And she kicks it aside. And he bends down all broken and starts to pick up the jewels. What a tragic story. HaKadosh Baruch Hu married Klal Yisrael. And when he married us, he gave us a wedding band. Made out of sapphire. The two luchos. And he came to Shemayim, says the Medrash, and he said to the Malachim, what am I going to give the cow in the Yichud room? Let me go look in my treasury for something, the most precious thing that I have. Ushabah Shema. And the most precious thing that God has in His whole world is Shabbos. And the Malachim said, you're not giving it to Ben Adam. Shabbos belongs in Shemayim. And Akash Baruch Hu said, I have nothing more precious to give to Klai Yisrael. Ushema Shabbos. In the end of time, in the time of Moshiach, we have many answers. Looking at the wrong things, I have a taiva. Eating the wrong things, have a taiva. Talking by davening, have a taiva. Chil Shabbos is not a taiva. Hashem says, eat, drink, sing, sleep, learn. 
Shabbos is not a taiva. We don't have an answer for it. And the Satan knew. How is he going to get a child or an adult from a from family to be Mechalo Shabbos? It's not a taiva. Why would a kid who sneers, who goes to a Yaakov, how would he ever get her to be Mechal Shabbos? How would he get a man or a boy who goes to Minyan and puts on filling to be Mechal Shabbos? The Satan knows from people do not be Mechal Shabbos. We might not have Shmir Sinayim. We might be challenged by a lot of things. But we're known as Shemir Shabbos. That's how we are. That's, that's our name. We're not Shomenigia. We're not Shomenikashus or Trafus. That's not what you call a from Jew. Oh, he's Shomenigia. He's Shomenikashus. He can touch the wine. He can be part of a minion. He's Shomenikashus. That's our identity. How is the Sutton going to get a from person? To be Machal Shabbos, if that's your identity. <coughs> so he created technology. And we're all on that technology. And we can't get off. So it becomes an addiction. Every second, CNN had a whole report on it. I read it last, last week in my share. Not normal. I think you look at your phone 200 times a day without it ringing just to see if there's anything going on 200 times a day the average attention span today of a human being is seven and a half seconds a goldfish average attention span is nine seconds so everyone's bored because we don't have that interaction back and forth, back and forth, whatsapp, whatsapp, this, that, 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 that a whole day, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth it's very hard to be a Rebbe today because kids who have internet, kids who have iPhones, kids who have smartphones, all day long, they have this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then they come to class, and they're just taking in. They don't have a right to give back because they're in class. So there's no more interactivity. There's no more interactivity. They're bored. They get lost. They're on their phone underneath the desk or wherever they are. Because today's kids, all of us adults too, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all day. And if your phone doesn't ring for two minutes, you feel like you're not an earthling. It can't be. How could it be that no one called me? You go to sleep at 3 at night and you get up at 5.30 and the first thing you do is look at your phone. Who called you from 3 to 5.30? But you don't belong unless someone's calling you, unless you're connected. So all day long, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So you remember normal zitz flash. Unless you have interactive, interactive, it's hard to be a Rebbe and be interactive because when the class can keep talking, it's very hard to give a class. So today, it's very hard for kids to focus because they're living in a world that's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth the whole time. And now comes Shabbos, and it's 26 hours of no back and forth. And you're not connected. So he knew that by creating this, and by us becoming addicted, I'll get up and say that you shouldn't have a smartphone, not because of all the garbage you're going to go to, and all the different things you're going to go to, and all the Shemir Sinayim that you're going to break. You can't have a smartphone, because in the end you're going to be Michal Shabbos. In the end, you're going to need it so badly, you're not going to make it through Shabbos. You don't even understand what's going on in the trenches. 
So we're taking Hashem's ice. We're taking the ice of Shabbos, the ring that Kleistro wears on its finger as a sign that we're married. And we're taking that ice and we're throwing it off. And the Satan knows that we throw that ice off and we throw the ring back into God's face, the greatest present He ever gave us. It will create a break between Kleistro and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Chas v'shalom. So in the end of time, this is what he's after. The greatness of Shabbos, I told the girls last night. Yesterday was Tishabov. Yesterday was the day where God's two houses were destroyed, where his children were murdered, where everything that happened since the destruction of the base Hamikdash, the Holocaust, the Inquisitions, the Crusades, everyone that has cancer, every marriage that's broken, everyone who has no children, everyone who's in the Shinna crisis, is all because there's no base Hamikdash. That happened on Tishabov. God lost his children. He lost his house. He lost his world. The world today are atheists and agnostic. There's no belief in God, including our Jewish children. There's no more belief. He lost everything. And he says, Shabbos. Don't sit on the floor. Have meat. Have wine. Have zmiros. Have shalashudas meat if you want. Fleshing shalashudas. Very in yesterday. But Baruch Hu, you lost everything. Hashem's like, that's right. But do you know what Shabbos is? Shabbos is more important to me than everything I lost. So children... I don't want you mourning for everything I lost. It is Shabbos. And I said, my Tisha B'Av this year and last year is so much different than all the other years. Because when my father, my king, steps aside from everything that he lost and says to me, it's more important that you eat and you drink and you sing because it's Shabbos that renews my love and my faith my trust my relationship with him I can't go into Tisha B'Av the same way yes everything's burning but Shabbos nothing's burning we have one day that nothing burns we just got up we just got up 101 you know what the kavana is when you get up, everybody? What's the kavana? Oh man, my back hurts. I'm so glad I got a chair. No. The kavana is as follows. You should never know from it. When you're Menachem Avol, the last day when they get up in the morning after davening, the Avelim sit and the people who are Menachem stand in front of them and they say, Stay up! Stay up! Get up! Get up! From from any pain you shouldn't know anymore. And the Avelim get up and the first thing they do is they walk around the block. Why? Because we're telling the Avelim, the Avelis, the seven days of sitting is over. Get up! 
Don't be a victim. Get up and walk around the block and come back into the world. There's hope. There's a future. At 101 today, Hashem said to all of us, stay off, stay off. Get up off the floor. Sit on your chairs. There's a future. Don't give up. Don't despair. When the second base of Migdash was built, the people in Babel asked, is there still a Tishabov for us? And the answer came back, no, Tishabov is a Yantif. Sarbatavis is a Yantif. Thomas is a Yantif. Sarbatavis is a Yantif. And they asked, why is it a Yantif? The first base of Migdash was still destroyed. The Miraculum still came back and Kleisrael cried a whole night. So we understand that we have a second base Hamigdash, but why is it a Yontif? Why aren't we sitting for the first base Hamigdash? And their answer was that we're not sitting on the floor because we're victims. We're not sitting on the floor because of what happened. We're sitting on the floor because we don't have a base Hamigdash. And that's it. And therefore it's a Yontif now because we have a base Hamigdash and we have hope. And that's what we all need to understand. Pain is a state of being. Pain is a state of being. Being a victim is a state of mind. Sometimes you can't change the pain. Sometimes you can't change the state of being. But you could always change the state of mind. That Kleistrel is in Gullus is a state of being, and until Mashiach comes, we can't change it. There are a lot of people in Kleistrel that have gone through heavy trauma, can't change the pain. But we can definitely change the state of mind. And what's going on in this generation is everyone's a victim. I'm a victim of abuse, I'm a victim of my Rebbe. I'm a victim of the world. In the Holocaust, there were survivors. And there were victims. The survivors are the ones that came out of the Holocaust still holding on Torah and Mitzvahs. They never ever felt like victims if you speak to them. The victims are the ones who walked away from God and walked away from Yiddishkeit. They felt like victims. And you cannot judge them. No one in this room can understand what these people went through. This is not a discussion of judging the victims. But there's a very big difference when there's a change, a set of mindsets. There was a video that was going around two weeks ago of some kid off the derech, OTD. By the way, OTD also spells on the derech. And he was pointing fingers. And everyone's like, Rabbi Wallerstein, you gotta watch this! I'm like, my Nebuch phone doesn't have it, Baruch Hashem. Well, I'll show it to you on my phone! And he's pointing fingers, and he opens up. I'm not here to help anyone, I'm not here to fix anything. I'm like, then I don't want to hear what he has to say. Because he's a victim. That's victim talk. 
Oh, look what you did to me. Look where I'm at. Look at my pain. That's victim talk. Survivor talk is, I'm in a lot of pain. Let's make sure no one else goes through the same pain. Let's make changes. Let's grow. The survivors came out of the Holocaust and said, let's build Yiddishkeit in America and Eretz Yisrael. Let's build. Kleisel has to stop being victims. We have to stop pointing fingers at and start pointing fingers up. Because pointing fingers at, there's no growth. The victim mentality of what my Rebbe did to me and this one did to me and that one did to me. Hey, it's your choice what to do with it. Be a victim or a victor. Be a victim or be a survivor. Change the world. Change what happened to you. Build. Help. Grow. The problem with our generation today is we're all walking around and we're all pointing fingers. And we're not looking how to help. And we're not looking how to change. We're just angry. Everyone's angry. Anger is fire. Fire burns and causes ash. Nothing grows in ash. Fill a pot of ash, put water in it, put a seed in it, it will not grow. Adama, earth. A person's called Adam. We are earth. We are potential to grow. We are not ash. We are soil. And the Simcha in Tishabov, and why it's a Moed, is because we sit on the floor and we're here. Says the Rebbe, we're here. And after every kinah, when I was sitting here and listening to the rabbi, after every kinah, as sad as it was, I said at the end, but we're still here. And the next kinah, but we're still here. And the next kinah, Hashem, look around the room, he's sitting on the floor. The boy next to me is crying his eyes out. We're still here. After all this, we are survivors. We are not victims. We have our own spiritual holocaust. I'm not allowed to even compare it to the holocaust, but there's no other word for it. And we are survivors. And in 70 years from now, our grandchildren will turn and say, my Zadie lived in the years of technology, of immorality, in a country where men can marry men and women can marry women, where you can do an abortion when a child is five months old. My Zadie lived in that time. When atheism was all over the world. When there was a, a group in the Jewish world called Footsteps. Who went and took from Jews out of their homes and from kids and turned them into atheists. Where you couldn't look at a bus because it was full of non-dressed women. Where you couldn't go home and get a catalog because it was full of everything. Where every turn there was a movie and a show and a WhatsApp and an internet and pornography. My Zadie was in that holocaust. And he was a survivor. I am his grandson. I am his great-grandson. And you know why I'm religious 70, 80 years from now? Because my Zadie wasn't a victim. He didn't step out with all that garbage in the world. He stayed Shemesh Shabbos from. They're going to talk about us in 80 years from now. How many of us are victims and how many of us are survivors? Just like we're talking about the Holocaust. Except they killed them physically and now they're killing us spiritually. 
So who's going to step out? Who's going to step in? It's up to you. I'm not here to judge. And there are many examples, and you're thinking, oh, I read it last night. I'm not even going to read it here from a girl, Nebuch, in a rehab, what she wrote. And her, her relationship with Hashem, never in my life, never in my life, and in three Glock's life, and the two of us have gone through all the kids that have been abused, even three more than me, never met a person in the world that went through the abuse for the amount of years and through the amount of people that this girl went through. Never, ever did I ever, ever hear such a story or meet such a story. And Tzvi will be my witness. And she wrote the most loving, I don't have it with me, I left it in the car, the most loving poem to Hashem from the worst and deepest place. And the greatest saying I think ever written, ever, ever written, from a girl, it's from a girl in a place far away from here, in a rehab, but not a rehab for drugs. The only Jew amongst a hundred Goyim, alone with her pain in Florida, in the refuge, far away from anybody. And she sent me an email. She said, Rabbi Wallerstein, sometimes when you're in the deepest darkness, and you think you're being buried, you're really being planted. Wow! In a place of playing by herself, she writes what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what Tisha B'av was all about. Sometimes you're in the darkest place in life, and you think you're being buried, and Hashem, I can't take it anymore. More dirt on my head, and more dirt on my head, and more pain, and more, abu- more abuse, and more stuff. Because, well, what are you doing? You're burying me so deep. She's like, no, he's not burying you. He's planting you. You're a seed that's going to grow. You're going to be able to help people who are going through the same thing, but you need to grow. You need not to be a victim. You need to be a survivor. I want to end. I have so much more to say, but I know you guys want to dive in on time, and I don't blame you. I want to read you a story. I wanted to read the story of Yosef Atzadik. We don't have time for it today. I just want to read you a Tishabov story from Torah Tavlin from Rabbi Hafman. I was telling the girls before I walked out today, don't point, stop pointing at and start pointing up. What does that mean? The last time we all pointed up, do you know when that was? When Kleistrel came out of Mitzrayim. So when they were throwing all the Jewish kids into the Nile, there was this young boy who took the children out of the Nile into a field underneath a tree. And he fed them and he gave them to drink. And from little teeny babies, he nursed them. It says the earth opened up, it actually nursed them. And they grew up and they became Nar, they became teenagers. And once they were teenagers, they came back into Mitzrayim. Nobody knew where they came from. And the mothers asked the children, they threw, they threw you into, you're my kid? Nice 16-year-old kid. Wow, who took care of you? What was his name? I don't know, Ma. 
there's this beautiful young man, and every day he would come and he would feed us and he'd give us to drink and he would take care of us. He would give us clothing. Did he did he introduce himself? Is it anyone in the tribe? Have you seen him in Shul? Like is he did you see him in the base Medrash in Goshen? Nope. Do you know who he is? Did he say his name? Nope. The biggest mystery in Mitzrayim was the mystery boy who took care of all the babies. And now they're walking through the Yamsuf, running away from Mitzrayim. And they look up. And they see this young boy. They see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who appears as a young boy. And all the children turn to their parents and say, That's the one! That's the boy who took care of me! The last time Kleisrael pointed as a nation was to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by Kriyas Yamsuf. Stop pointing at everyone! Start pointing up! And then we'll have a Yeshua! Don't put out videos blaming everybody for your stuff. It might be their fault, but in the end, the state of mind is yours. The pain they inflicted, they will pay for. They will not get away with anything. Hashem doesn't let anyone get away with anything. But that has nothing to do with you. You need to point up no matter what and say, Zekhelimeandehu. And maybe if we start pointing up instead of at, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bring Mashiach. So once again, we can point up and say, Zekhelimeandehu. Stop being victims, guys. Start being survivors. Nothing comes from blaming. Step up and help others. That's why you went through the stuff that you went through. The people who caused you the pain will pay big time. No one gets away with anything. But that has nothing to do with you. That's our Kurdish Baruch Hu's job. So I want to end the story from Tisha B'Av. I'll read it to you very fast. Early on the morning of Friday, July 28th, 1944, the 7th of Av, the Nazi SS guards ordered a block of prisoners from the labor battalion in Warsaw to prepare to leave on foot heading towards the concentration camp known as Dachau. This was the dreaded death march. The Germans imposed a goal of 35 kilometers to be covered every day, quite a distance for even a healthy and strong person. The prisoners, among them, Rabbi Kassil Yehuda Halberstam Zatzal, the Kloisenberger Rebbe, was beaten, hungry, thirsty, and weakened from years of forced labor. Nevertheless, they were forced to maintain a rapid pace, even though many did not even have shoes worthy of the name. The sun beat down vigorously upon them, but the prisoners were not allowed even a drop of water at any time. Along the way, they passed rivers and streams. However, the SS monsters would not allow them near the water. Anyone seen approaching the water would be shot immediately. Just the sight of water caused greater thirst and made walking more difficult. Many people were driven by their thirst to delirium. They could not control themselves and risked approaching a river or stream to obtain some moisture. The Germans, true to their word, shot those people down. They marched on like that, that like that all day Friday, Shabbos and Sunday. Sunday was Tishabov. On Sunday, the Germans coolly drove them to exhaustion, trying to cover the allotted number of kilometers as quickly as possible so they might reach a town where the officers could take the day off and get drunk. Because the day was Tishabov, the Rebbe, 
Koizenberger Rebbe, had removed his shoes. He's walking 35 kilometers, but it's Tisha so he removed his shoes. He's not a victim. And walked barefoot all day. An SS guard noticed this and sadistically forced him to walk and then run on the shoulder of the road so as to tread on as many stones and thorns that littered the roadside. At one point, the Rebbe had tried to hide and not only was caught, but was shot in the arm for his efforts. He was actually shot with a bullet. He was forced to rejoin the marchers and stance the wound with dried leaves. Later, at the cornerstone lane for the Sanza Medical Center in Netanya, which is one of the biggest medical centers today in Eretz Yisrael, in 1980, the Klosenberger Rebbe recounted that he had decided at the moment that he was shot on the death march, that if Hashem let him survive, he would establish a medical institution for Jewish patients. The difference between a survivor surviving something and using that something to help the Klesenberger Rebbe was not a victim he was shot in the arm he was walking without shoes and at that moment said Hashem if you save me I will use this pain of bleeding of being shot to open a hospital that is the difference between a victim mentality and a victor mentality and a survivor's mentality what am I going to do with my pain? Am I going to get depressed and point fingers? Or am I going to get up and do something? The Sansa Medical Center is one of the biggest in Eretz Yisrael today. With very modern technology. Greatly stricken by the terrible thirst and the real threat of death that the Germans were imposing on them, the people looked to the Rebbe for moral support. The Rebbe continuously warned the people around them not to risk their lives by going out of line to get water. And he asked them to pass this warning on to others. He was certain, he said, that Hashem would not forsake them and that they would have water soon. Approximately two hours before sunset on Sunday afternoon, Tishabov, the haggard survivors arrived outside the town of Lovich between Sakachev and Kutna. The Nazi guards ordered them to halt in a wheat field where the crop had already been harvested. Of course, they would not let them have any wheat. The stubble protruding from the ground stabbed at the prisoners' bodies and made it extremely painful. They couldn't sit down to follow the order to be seated on the ground. So they took them specifically to a place after walking 35 kilometers where they could not sit. However, the Rebbe whispered to those nearest him that perhaps there was some water in the ground. Soon the word spread, dig for water. All over the wheat field, people began to dig. One with a rusty spoon, another with a stick. Most of them with their bare fingers. Every centimeter they dug cost energy they so desperately needed. For over two hours, they pushed themselves relentlessly to try and find some water. As night fell, and Tishabov came to an end. Some of the prisoners became disheartened. But suddenly, a stream of water some 30 centimeters high shot up into the air. Someone had found an underground water pocket. Soon the whole field seemed to be full of water fountains. The SS guards came running furious. They barked and screamed, but it was to no avail. They watched helplessly as the spout spread throughout the field and the, Drew and the Jews drank their fill. The Rebbe, too, drank his fill, breaking his fast on the wonderful water shooting out of the ground. Ultimately, the German sadists were awed. They could do nothing about the spouts, but fill their canteens from them too. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in this room and every Jew has that water fountain underneath them. You just have to dig. 
like the Rebbe said, you just have to dig. It's all underneath you. You all have the potential. You just have to work. You have to dig. To be a victim, it doesn't take any work. To be a survivor, to be a victor, you got to go and dig underneath yourself. And I'll end with Yosef HaTzadik's words. Who went through more trauma, and I was going to speak about it, we don't have time. Who went through more trauma than Yosef HaTzadik? 17 years old, the perfect age to go OTD. Teenager, 17 years old, the perfect age, the perfect reason. His brothers strip him naked from the, the one thing that his father gave him. Throw him into a bar with snakes and scorpions. Then he doesn't die. They sell him to Mitzrayim. Says Rashi. And Pasha's Mikates. Potiphar bought him from Mishkav Zohar. Potiphar bought him to be his boy. Yosef Atzadik. Yaakov Avinu's Kaddishnik son who the Chidah calls the Yesoid Oilam. His own brothers tried to kill him, stripped him, sold him to the worst, to a man that bought him from himself. And the man realized that this boy is holy so that his wife doesn't leave him alone. And he pushes her away. And what's his, what's his reward for being a good boy? He gets thrown into a dungeon. He had a reason to be OTD. He had so many places to point his fingers. My brothers, God, Paro. And he turns to his brothers. And he says, I'm not a victim. I need Yosef. I haven't changed. I went through hell. I'm in hell. I'm in Mitzrayim. But I need Yosef. I am the same Yosef. And they looked at him and said, impossible. Impossible. State of pain, state of mind. You're a victim. You probably did every avera that's possible. Gishana, he said. You think I changed? You think I went off the derech? You think I'm pointing fingers? You think I have a reason to eat treif? To be with a girl. You think that's what I am? Geshunai lie. Come close. And the Medrash says he showed him his bris. And Chazal say, you think he showed him his bris? He said, look in your Ruach HaKadosh. Did I ever, ever step out of my Kedusha? And they looked. And this was no victim. This was a survivor. I need Yosef. I am still Yosef. I have not sinned. He turned to Botifa's wife and he said, You got me. I got reason to be angry at the Jews. Look what they did to me. Look where they sent me. Nobody's watching. All the excuses. You get away with everything. I am a victim. I'm a victim. I'm going to make a video. I'm going to show everyone that I went through since my brother sold me. It's all your fault. It's their fault. And he said, I can't. Kichatasi lelakim. At the end of the day, I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. I will not sin. No matter what happened to me, he told Petifa's wife, I will not step out. 
And this little young 17-year-old boy got a surname. Yosef HaTzadik. You are not Ani Yosef Ho'odavichai. You are Ani Yosef HaTzadik. Ho'odavichai. Everyone has that koyach. There is no bigger victim than Yosef HaTzadik. You'll tell me, well, Yosef HaTzadik was Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik, if you learn the Medrash, was this far from doing the Aveira. It wasn't some guy off in who knows where, some Eloy that totally said, he was this far. The last second he turned around and ran out. He's just as challenged as all of us. There's no one in this room that has the looks of him. The only man that the tyrant calls, you fast mare. He was so beautiful. We don't have that challenge on that level. But he made a statement to all of us. I need Yosef. I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. And at the end of the Torah, the end of that whole situation, where we say, Chazak, Chazak, Minis Chazak, says he was buried in Mitzrayim because he caused Kriyas Yamsuf. Because he wasn't a victim and he was able to overcome the natural state of a person by Yanos Hachutza and he ran outside. Hayom Rabba Yanos. He caused the splitting of the sea. Everyone here has that Koyach. Moshe HaTzadik and Yitzhak HaTzadik. How do you become a Tzadik? How do you get that surname? By not becoming a victor, a victim, but by using your Koyach to make changes. Yosef told his brothers, you thought you sold me? You thought you hurt me? In my life, I told that to someone once. You think you hurt me? You think you really embarrassed me? You think you took me down? The reason I do what I do is because of you. You made me. You built me. The abuse that you put me through, you built me. You made me. You didn't destroy me. Just the opposite. The victim is destroyed. The survivor creates. Yosef HaTzadik turned at the end and said, guys, you've sold me to Mitzrayim. You thought I'd be a victim. You thought I would destroy you. Just the opposite. I came to Mitzrayim to save the world. And that's what he did. And everyone in this room has that koyach. Just can't, I can't change your state of being. I don't know your pain. I can't change that. And some of us can't change that. If someone loses his arm, he lost his arm. But that doesn't mean he can't be in the Special Olympics. The state of mind is what the koyach that we have. And that's the answer to all the questions. Why is it a yontif? It's a yontif because even though the state of being is that we're in Gullus and everything we read today that we're being destroyed, but the state of mind is, stay up! It's Chatzais, get up! Get back into the world! Build! Build the base Hamidosh! Go out! Change the world! Change your mentality! And in that schuss, instead of pointing at, the Karai will point up and say, Zekeli Van Veyu. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.